This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Eagles or Bucks? Bucks. Yeah, Eagles or Bucks? Eagles Bucks. <laughs> you got to pick one. Eagles or Bucks? Bucks. Bucks. Okay, that's Bucks minus eight and a half. This is the Parkins Playoff Show on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Chicago's voice of the fan for over 30 years now. An Odyssey station. Unfortunately for all of you, you're stuck with me. The less fun, less cool, certainly less cute, and maybe even less sharp when it comes to picking games. I was on the Raiders yesterday. What a travesty of a non-cover that was. Good morning. I am Danny Parkins coming at you bright and early, 7 a.m. That's how dedicated I am. That's how much I love the NFL playoffs. Caesar back in the studio. We will open the phone lines. I just want to talk NFL playoffs with you. 312-644-6767. Two games down. Three to go today. One tomorrow night. Apologize now to your significant other and your family. Because if you're listening to sports radio at 7.01 on a Sunday morning, you're probably a pretty big sports fan. And my guess is... You are going to be locked in to this NFL triple header today. I know that I am. But I, we got a good show planned. We're going to have my old man, my old friend, Nick Costos. He's not really an old man, but he is older than me. We're going to have Nick Costos on in an hour, mainly because I miss him. We used to do uh, the Sunday edition of You Better You Bet together. So we're going to talk about all the games and the gambling angles in one hour. Then the terrific NFL writer, Robert Mays, is going to join us. Also happens to be a Bears fan. National NFL writer will join us around 8.20 or so. But between now and then, it's you and me. And I apologize if I sound a little bit under the weather. That's because I am. So we'll try to get through this together today. But I don't know if you had the same experience as I did yesterday watching those two games, Bengals and Raiders, and then Bills Patriots, where I couldn't get the damn Chicago Bears out of my head. The whole point of the playoffs is to watch good football. And in theory... We shouldn't have to talk about bad football and think about bad football. And the Bears, make no mistake, have been bad football. But in the first game, I'm sitting there and I'm watching Joe Burrow 
manipulate the secondary with his eyes, escape the pocket with his legs, make absolutely unbelievable throws time and time and time again. He single-handedly has given hope to a franchise that has been way worse than the Bears the last three decades. The Bears have a Super Bowl appearance. The Bears have playoff wins. Joe Burrow yesterday ending the longest playoff win drought in professional sports, 31 years. They had become synonymous with the Bungles, with the brown bag over the head. And Joe Burrow, yes, with the help of Jamar Chase, I understand that. Yes, with T. Higgins, yes, with Joe Mixon, I know that football is not just a one-person game. However, the ability to single-handedly, at least in a global sense, in a big-picture sense, Joe Mixon's not going to be there in 10 years. T. Higgins probably won't be in there in 10 years. Jamar Chase has a chance to be there in 10 years. But Joe Burrow's going to be a Bengal in 10 years. They know that they have their quarterback for the next decade, barring catastrophic injury or some sort of organizational malpractice where he demands the trade. But the Ohio kid who goes to the Bengals who suffers the injury and comes back and already has won a playoff game and is getting comped to Tom Brady. That guy's not going anywhere. He changed their franchise. Maybe he wins a Super Bowl there, maybe he doesn't. But Steelers fans, Browns fans, Ravens fans are terrified at the prospect of playing Joe Burrow twice a year for the next decade, just like we have been terrified of playing Aaron Rodgers twice a year for the last decade and a half. And so I'm watching that game, and I am dreaming of Justin Fields becoming that. Can Justin Fields be that? I don't know. I'd like to think so. He's not that caliber of prospects. Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. We know that Justin Fields was the 11th overall pick. But he is a very, very, very high pedigree prospect. Top recruit in high school. Georgia, Ohio State, two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Multiple-time college football playoff appearances. A college football playoff win. Six touchdowns against Clemson. We know the dude's got a high ceiling. We saw the second half against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. We saw the ability to slice and dice an opponent with his legs against the Niners. We saw a guy who could push the ball down the field time and time and time again against the Lions. And he did it with a checked out Allen Robinson, an incompetent Matt Nagy, a fisher a fisherman who played very well, by the way, at left tackle. Days from his 40th birthday, a rookie right tackle, and a below average, even if he's a great story league uh, starting center in Sam Mustafer with no tight end talent. So we know that the talent is there. The question is, can the Bears 
develop him. Can the Bears cultivate an environment around him to get him to a level where we feel like Bengals fans do, which I get is depressing. Can the Bears be the Bengals? But that's where we are because the Bengals have their guy for the next decade. And I'm wondering if you have confidence that they can. 312-644-6767. Because the next part of this is who's going to develop him. Who's going to cultivate the relationship and the environment to put Justin Fields in the best chance to develop to be a Joe Burrow type. Or, if you watch the late game, a Josh Allen type. Brian Dable is the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. His offense had seven touchdowns on their first seven drives last night. I'll say that again. The Buffalo Bills against Bill Belichick had touchdowns on their first seven drives last night. Brian Dable is interviewing... With George McCaskey, Bill Polian, Ted Phillips, Tanisha Wade, and Lamar Campbell, the Bears Brain Trust, today. I have to imagine he's going to come into that interview rather confident. I would imagine instead of a resume where he lists references, even though his references are literally Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, he might just say, Did you guys watch CBS last night? Quite a performance. That is the definition of entering the job market at the right time. He's also reportedly interviewing with the Miami Dolphins. Now, Brian Dable will have the Matt Nagy stink on him. By that, I mean he's never been a head coach. By that, I mean the top lines on his resume can easily be transferred to other people. The guy has five Super Bowl rings because he was with Bill Belichick. The guy won a lot of games in college because he was with Nick Saban. And before that, it had not been very good for Brian Dable. Bounced around in a few different ways. So it's the type of situation where Brian Dable maybe is riding the coattails of greatness like Matt Nagy rode the coattails of Andy Reid. And he's never been a head coach. And we will look at this and say, oh, God, this is this is not... He got overemployed when he went on on his own sink or swim situation. He sunk. It's possible. Josh Allen is a unicorn of a talent to be that big, that strong, that fast with that amount of accuracy. It's not unprecedented, but it's pretty damn close. Josh Allen looks like the type of guy that we dream of Justin Fields being. Brian Dable's the top offensive mind in Buffalo. Brian Dable gets a lot of credit of taking the kid from Wyoming 
who was inconsistent in college and turning him into an MVP candidate before the season started. Now, Josh Allen has been inconsistent, but Josh Allen had an absolutely monstrous season last year, and he had a pretty damn good year this year. And as you saw last night, again, who's ceiling in the NFL? Like when when Josh Allen is at his best, whose best is better than that? Pat Mahomes? Tom Brady? Aaron Rodgers? That might be the list. Like, if Josh Allen gives you an A game, whose A game is better than his? I think the list is three deep. If you want to say Justin Herbert, I'll listen. I love Justin Herbert. But I think the list is Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes in terms of when they are at their best, whose best is better than Josh Allen's. Now, Josh Allen does not get to his best with near the same level of consistency as those other three guys. But Brian Dable is going to go into that interview with the Bears today and being able to say, I can turn Justin Fields into Josh Allen, which we would all sign for right now. All of us would say, yeah, I'll take Josh Allen for the next 10 years. Because like Joe Burrow, he represents hope. Like Joe Burrow, he is an answer to a question that they've been trying to answer for decades. Like we here in Chicago have been trying to answer for literally all of our lives. I'm 35, maybe you're 70, maybe you're 12, maybe you're 56. However old you are, if you've been watching the Bears, you've been trying to answer the question, Who is going to be our quarterback for the next decade? Do we have an answer at that position? And unfortunately, the answer has been no, even when we've thought that we've had it answered. Even when Eric Kramer puts in a good year or two, or Jay Cutler puts in an exciting year or two, or Mitch Trubisky has a good-ish year-ish, we've thought, "Ah, we've talked ourselves into it. Because that's all we have had. Hope. So I'm watching those games yesterday. I am watching two quarterbacks in Allen and Burrow that we dream of having here in Chicago. I'm watching a coach who's getting ready to interview for the Bears job literally today, thinking he might be too good. Like, he might honestly be in a position where he is in he's overqualified like if you're Brian Dable and you have Josh Allen and you have that performance are you really thinking the bears are the best that he can do maybe he is maybe he is and i think Justin Fields is the best thing the bears have going for him in this job and i think Justin Fields has a crazy high ceiling but A lot of guys have come into the league with crazy high ceilings that do not get developed correctly, cultivated correctly. And yes, having Stephon Diggs helps Josh Allen. Having Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon helps 
Joe Burrow. It is not just the quarterback. But if you watched AFC Kirk Cousins, which is what I call Derek Carr, you know that the Raiders have a guy who absolutely deserves to be a starter in the NFL, but absolutely is not good enough to win a Super Bowl, which is what the Vikings have in Kirk Cousins. And that's a tough spot to be. Paying a quarterback a ton of money to have a ceiling of good. The Bengals quarterback gives them a ceiling of great. The Bills quarterback gives them a ceiling of great. Would I hire Brian Dable? Probably. I would. I would want to hear no from Jim Harbaugh first. I'd want to hear what Brian Flores' plan on offense was first. Brian Dable would not be my first choice because I think that NFL head coaching experience is a very valuable thing and Brian Dable doesn't have it and you will be taking a risk like you took with Matt Nagy. But overall, assuming Brian Flores is not taking this job, and assuming Jim Harbaugh is re-signing with Michigan, then all of your other candidates that have previous NFL head coaching experience are defensive coaches. Now, Jim Caldwell's exciting. It's interesting anyway, if not exciting, because he's not an exciting, energetic personality type, but very respected leader. I would be in on Jim Caldwell. But if you're telling me It's Leslie Frazier, Todd Bowles, or Brian Dable. Give me Brian Dable. Like, I'm willing to go down the Matt Nagy route again for Brian Dable, for Nathaniel Hackett, for a coach who gives Justin Fields a ceiling of greatness. That's what I would be looking to do. If you can get a head coach who has head coaching experience, On the offensive side of the ball, Jim Harbaugh, you do it. If you can get a head coach with head coaching experience who wins with a terrible roster like Brian Flores, you do it. If you can't, I think you go to the best offensive coach available. And it's hard to argue that that isn't Brian Dable. Because Josh Allen was no sure thing. No sure thing. And he's interviewing today. I hope he gets multiple chances. I hope they bring him back in person. I hope he crushes the interview. But this is one of those times where I don't think he needs to do a whole heck of a lot of preparation. Did you see the game last night? Did you see what Josh Allen was when he was drafted? Did you see what he is now? I rest my case. Any questions? That's how Brian Dable could approach this today. 312-644-6767. Because it's the NFL, there was massive controversy yesterday. I have a solution for their problem, but I want to know what your solution is for the Bears' problem as well. 312-644-6767. It's the Parkins Playoff Spectacular. That's more exciting than the Parkins Playoff show. Right here on a Sunday morning on The Score. Take it. Allen. Looking. Waits. 
the patience. Allen turns the corner and he will toss it. Back in the end zone. Touchdown. Catch made. It is Dawson Knox. And the Bills strike first on an excuse me touchdown from Josh Allen. Welcome in, Parkins Playoff Show. Thanks for hanging out bright and early on a Sunday morning. I apologize for my voice a little bit under the weather. We have Nick Costos coming up at the top of the hour. Always entertaining. One of my favorite degenerates in the world. And then Robert Mays, terrific NFL writer and Bears fan, national NFL writer, will join us at 8.20 or so. I thought it was big of Josh Allen after the game, by the way, to admit that the touchdown pass to uh, Dawson Knox, the first one of the game, was a throwaway. He did not see the catch, and he was confused why everyone was celebrating, and he did not see the replay until three and a half or four minutes later. I wonder if he admits that, if he goes like 20 of 42 with one touchdown, two picks, and a loss. I don't know that he admits that his only touchdown of the game was a throwaway and was blind, dumb luck. But when you got five and you win, you could probably admit it. How sweet was that, by the way? Wasn't it fun to watch the Patriots get destroyed? I feel like we got like a decade more of that coming to us before we might start to feel a little bit ambivalent to the results of playoff games involving the New England Patriots. If you're from the New England-Boston area, you probably disagree. If you bet on them, you definitely disagree. But if you don't fall into either of those two categories, no one in their right mind was rooting for New England last night. Buffalo just so much more likable. We all kind of have some sort of relationship with Buffalo. Like, we could relate to Buffalo. Cold, underdog, perennial loser, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Crazy, drunken fans who jump onto tables and play in fire and just put fireball into their veins intravenously. Like, we could all relate on some level, to the Bills. Brian Dable kind of looks like most of us. Josh Allen kind of looks like most of us. You know what I mean? Like, there's some relatability there. Not much relatability or likability on the Patriots side. But in the first game yesterday, there was, yet again, another massive ref controversy. And I don't think that it altered the winner or loser of that game, but it could have. Because if you haven't seen the play, Joe Burrow rolling to his right, about to step out of bounds, throws the ball to the back of the end zone, maybe half a second or so before the ball is caught, there's a whistle, defensive back 
seems to pull up a little bit. Receiver catches the ball, doesn't celebrate his touchdown. Because he too, of course, heard the whistle. Rule says if there is a whistle during a play, you have to play as dead and go back and do it again. Replay of the down, inadvertent whistle, no harm, no foul. Refs say, well, we thought that the whistle happened after the play. No, you didn't. You're covering for yourself. We already are seeing the eye in the sky buzz in and correct obvious wrongs to save coaches from challenge. We already have automatic challenges on scoring plays, reviews on scoring plays and turnovers. But the rule was that inadvertent whistle can't be reviewable. The obvious fix here is... Everything about the challenges for the coaches stays the same. But everything can be reviewable. Challenge anything you want. You want to challenge pass interference? Fine. You want to challenge forward progress? Fine. You want to challenge inadvertent whistle? Fine. We have the technology. You don't want five challenges per team per game. But... That was a scoring play. Scoring plays are reviewable. But when the whistle happened isn't reviewable, even though on the review we can hear the whistle before the ball is caught. How does that make any sense? But let's say it had been a 60-yard completion that was not a touchdown. Okay? Let's just say, hypothetically, for the argument, Joe Burrow is rolling right, and instead of at at the Raiders, whatever it was, 15-yard line, he's at his own 15-yard line, and instead of a 15-yard pass into the back of the end zone, it's a 60-yard pass down the field. A field-flipping, field-position-flipping, massive play, completion, but while the ball is in the air right before... It is caught, whistle blows, defensive back pulls up, thinks the play is over, guy catches it, falls down, gets tagged. Not a scoring play, therefore not automatically reviewable. 60-yard completion would be a good time to use a challenge. Raiders would not have been allowed to. So last night, scoring play automatically reviewable, replay shows whistle before ball is caught, Rule says whistle happens in play, play automatically redone, result of a play null and void. But that's with it being automatically reviewable. So last night, that play, inadvertent whistle, not reviewable on a scoring play and not challengeable, even though we have the technology to get it right. How does that make sense? Everything should be reviewable. Everything should be challengeable, but you only get two a half. Or two two in the game, and if you get a third, if you get the first two correct, you get the third. And then keep everything else the same. Keep turnovers automatically reviewable. Keep scoring plays automatically reviewable. Keep plays in the last two minutes automatically reviewable. Have the Sky Judge help you out 
where applicable and clear and obvious to keep the game moving and save coaches from challenges. But on the debatable ones, put it in the coach's hands. This is an obvious fix to a problem that is very silly to still exist in the year 2022. Replay was necessary because we used to all have something called TiVo and HDTV, and we had more information than the refs. Then they put an instant replay, felt like it had leveled the playing field. Now we get a replay on every damn play, and they don't. This is an obvious fix. Make everything reviewable. Maybe the Bengals settle for a field goal there. Then the conservative play calling for the Raiders down the stretch would not have been as big of a deal. God, the Raiders kicking that short field goal instead of trying to get seven when they were down ten with just four minutes left in the game. Very, very conservative. Then Derek Carr not throwing the passes into the end zone at the end of the game. What are you doing? What a way to go out by the Raiders. Again, that's AFC Kirk Cousins. But it's the Parkins playoff show. We got a lot on the table for you. 312-644-6767. The controversy from that Bengals game we're talking about right now, but also Brian Dable interviewing with the Bears today. Hell of an audition tape he put on last night. And the dreams of Justin Fields becoming our version of Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. 312-644-6767. Steve is in Iowa, and he's on the score. Good morning, Steve. How you doing, Park? I'm good, man. How are you? Great. Still on my way to officiate some basketball. Oh, good for you. Let them play, okay? Let them play. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just want to say... There's a big difference in my mind between Dable and Hackett. Hackett is the Nagy because he didn't really call plays. He's got LaFleur. Same way with Nagy. He had Andy Reid. Dable on the Bills has full control of the play calling, so I think that's a little different. And being much older than you, I'll tell you, we had our quarterback, but he always got hurt, and that would be Jim McMahon. That's about all I have to say. All right, I appreciate the call, man. And uh, like I said, they're not there to see you, so let so let them play. Well, the thing with McMahon, of course, and yes, you uh, you know, I was infamously, I guess, uh, my parents like to tell me conceived during the '85 Super Bowl at halftime. Don't know why they needed to share that with me, but that. So you know, I don't remember Jimmy Mack in the way that all of you guys do. But what I would say is, as someone who has studied that team and talked to enough people about that team, Jim McMahon was what the. 10th best player on the 85 Bears? Maybe. So while he was the punky QB and while he was a celebrity and while he was an icon and easy to root for, he was not the reason that they won. He was not the reason they were great. You were not going to be a perennial contender for a decade with Jim McMahon as your quarterback regardless of Walter Payton regardless of Dent and Fensick and Singletary. You know what I mean? Like that That's what I'm talking about. Joe Burrow is the franchise. Josh Allen is the franchise. Yes, they have Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary and Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs I under, and Gabriel Davis. I understand there are other players there, but – Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary, if they're on the Bears, they are just guys, 
Now, Stephon Diggs is a player. Jamar Chase is a player. The Bengals have very, very good skill position talent. Way better than the Bills. Way better than the Bears. And the presence of a true number one receiver does matter significantly. I'm not disagreeing with that. But Josh Allen is their offense. Joe Burrow is their offense. Now, as to your second point about Nathaniel Hackett, I agree with you. Brian Dable is more impressive of a candidate on paper than Nathaniel Hackett. But I am a little biased on Nathaniel Hackett. He was at my alma mater at Syracuse. And listen, I'm not a huge Syracuse football fan by any means. So, like, there are plenty of people who have come through Syracuse that I would not uh, advocate for. But he is a very, very smart, likable, energetic, charismatic communicator and teacher. He... I know people don't love Brandon Staley as much as I do and think that he's a complete clown with some of that go for two, go for it on fourth down stuff, even though I absolutely love it. But that's not the best part of Brandon Staley. The best part of Brandon Staley with the Chargers is the teaching, is the communicating. Maybe you completely disagree with his philosophy, right? Maybe you think that Brandon Staley is a nutcase for how aggressive he is. But you know who agrees with him? All of the players on his team. There hasn't been one story about the Chargers looking at their coach side-eyed, disagreeing with him, mutiny, in-house fighting. They love him. And they love it because he is a teacher. He is a good communicator. He is relatable. And so they have bought in to his vision for them. And Nathaniel Hackett is is that type of person, has been described as that type of person. Now, frankly, on some level, so was Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy very well liked. Matt Nagy, the culture was good. There was not a lot of controversy. Now, he was not able to teach his system to Mitch Trubisky, whether or not Mitch Trubisky is able to learn that system or not, I suppose is a matter of debate. I don't really think so, but some people want to stand for Mitch Trubisky for forever. It's a weird hill to die on, but you do you. But I agree with Steve's point. Brian Dable is a more accomplished coach, right? Matt LaFleur is an offensive guy. Aaron Rodgers is an offensive genius and a known commodity. Nathaniel Hackett is an offensive guy in the room. But... Read a little bit about Nathaniel Hackett and how beloved he is and was in Buffalo, in Jacksonville, in Syracuse, in Green Bay. He was there in Jacksonville uh, with the, what was it, the 2017 team that led the NFL in rushing. So he's not just a pass-happy guy. Like he's been, you know what I mean, he's... Been in multiple systems, sometimes with great quarterbacks, sometimes without. Son of Paul Hackett, grew up around the game, was a ball boy for the Chiefs with Marty Schottenheimer. Like, 
definition of a football lifer, multiple different systems, been around a bunch of great coaches, been around some bad ones too, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Matt Nagy only around one coach, a great one, tried to copy everything he did, couldn't. The ability to communicate and teach and relate to different types of learners and different types of players is what coaching is. And I personally think Nathaniel Hackett can be a great head coach, but of course he's a risk. But they're all risks. Unless you get someone who has done it, make no mistake, Brian Dable is a risk. Brian Dable is a risk. He might be less risky than than Nathaniel Hackett. I agree with that. Fewer questions about him than the other. But I would be excited about Nathaniel Hackett because I actually don't believe that the process that led them to Matt Nagy is the wrong one. Like, all things being equal, I want an offensive coach. I want someone who has a vision, can develop an offense and build an offense around Justin Fields, cater it to his strengths, and if the offense is successful, we don't have to worry about him leaving for another job. Say you hire Brian Flores, he hires an offensive coordinator, offense takes off, that offensive coordinator goes and becomes a head coach somewhere, takes two or three of the offensive coaches with him, now you're starting over. I am personally more inclined for an offensive coach than a defensive coach, all things being equal. But Brian Flores is still atop my list because I cannot believe the guy won 19 games the last two years with the Miami Dolphins roster. So that is not a hard and fast rule, but I would lean in that direction. Three games today, cannot wait. And there's a lesson to be learned when we talk about the teams that can and cannot win a Super Bowl, and it is perfectly aligned based on today's games. That's coming up. Then Nick Costos to help us make some money at the top of the hour. It's the Parkins Playoff Show on a Sunday morning on The Score. Burrow hands in front of his chest, has the snap. He's back to pass. Pressure coming, steps up, moving to his right. Burrow looking down the field, still looking. Fires to the end zone, and it is caught. It's caught in the back of the end zone. No signal yet. The question is, did Burrow step out of bounds before he released the ball? The crowd is going nuts. The officials are talking about it. There has been no signal made. All the Raiders are pointing to the sideline. The result of the play, touchdown. Ridiculous play in the first game yesterday. Doubleheader yesterday. Tripleheader today. Thank you for hanging out. I'm Danny Parkins. It is the Parkins Playoff Show. We're going to do these every Sunday. If there's an NFL playoff game on a Sunday, I'm hosting. It is not all going to be at 7 to 9 a.m., so check your local listings, as they say. We'll be announcing the shows. We'll be running promos on the station. I'll be talking about it uh, on the Parkins and Spiegel show. It'll be promoted on Twitter and all that stuff. But uh, today, I'm hanging out with you until 9 a.m., Nick Costos will help us make some money today. Coming up in a little bit more than 10 minutes. We spoke at the beginning of the show how the Bears need to find their Joe Burrow. They need to find their Josh Allen and how we hope that that is Justin Fields. But in order for that to become Justin Fields, 
there's some work to do. And maybe that's in the form of Brian Dable, who's interviewing today and whose offense had seven touchdowns in its first seven drives yesterday. But there is a, a lesson, I would say also, or maybe not a lesson, but looking at the quarterbacks in today's game, also instructive into figuring that out. But let's take a call first. In Old Town, Rich is on the Parkins Playoff Show on the score. Good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning. Uh, great topic. <clears throat> I have a, Thank you. I uh, have an opportunity for people to make some dough, too. I made my plays before I got this information, but this is really stunning, and I'll run it by you. But I'll tell you who I picked. I picked, and this, and here's and the reason why. I took Green Bay and the NFC on the money line. Uh, they're plus 350 if they win the Super Bowl. And the really steal of the day, the Tennessee Titans are plus 850. So that's, to me, crazy money. And here's why. And this, this stunned me. I had to look it up when the guy told me this because he, he's absolutely right. And I'll ask you this. It's a little trivia question that's very complicated, but I'll ask you. Out of the 50-plus Super Bowls, how many wildcard teams have won the Super Bowl? Um, I, I don't know, five? That's a good guess. It's seven. I would have thought more. It is only seven. Now, <clears throat> it's a little tricky because is it really a wild card when you used to have two teams in each division with buys? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different now with only one team yeah. getting the buy. Yeah, but I like, I like the fact I'm in on both Green Bay and Tennessee. And even, even if you just win one of those two plays, because only one guy wins it, right? You're in the money by playing both of them. Well, right. But if the, if the Super Bowl is a rematch of last year, Kansas City and Tampa, you lose both yes. of them. Yeah, but I like the odds. I mean, it comes down to what's the value plays. I, listen, I, I understand. Do you think that Tennessee is going to be able to beat the Chiefs in a playoff game? They already have beaten the Chiefs. That is true, but the, 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 the Chiefs' defense is significantly better now than it was at the beginning. They didn't have Chris Jones in that first game. They didn't have Melvin Ingram yet on the team. It, it, it was a different version of the Chiefs' defense in that spot. All right, I'll tell you two reasons why I do believe that, why I wouldn't have made the play. They're a smash-mouth, rabble kind of team on, the, on both sides of the ball. They're very physical, and Derrick Henry has another week to rest and come back, and he's going to be activated. You put Henry back with Tannehill and those receivers and the way they play as intense as they play. I would love, man, this is something else real quick as an aside about the coach. You know, I looked it up. Rabel only has one year left on his Tennessee contract. I don't know why the bears wouldn't make a play for a guy like Rabel. He's all Chicago smash mouth. Let's get in the trenches and kick their butts and let's, and let's move the ball. He would be an excellent choice and I would buy out his contract. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate the call. And listen, Vrabel, Vrabel would be an amazing hire. Vrabel seems to be a top five head coach in the NFL. But that the Titans are not going to allow that. Co coaches do not, do not just become free agents and then leave. This isn't college. You know, it, once you become a head coach in the NFL, if the team – you either get fired – or you get contract extensions. They don't just say, well, you know, we signed him to a five-year deal and we couldn't work anything out with him, and so now he's there on the open market. That doesn't happen. I'm with you, man. Mike Vrabel would be an amazing coach. 
And I bet the Packers to win the Super Bowl before the season. So you and I are aligned in the NFC. Uh, I think that the Packers with this version of an angry Aaron Rodgers, home field advantage, playoffs going through Lambeau, which they did last year, but they did not have a full stadium. Getting David Bakhtiari back, getting uh, Preston Smith, getting Jair Alexander back. like They're getting healthy at the right time. The Bucks losing Antonio Brown, losing Chris Godwin. I think that the Packers are, they've got a very clean path to the Super Bowl in the NFC. So I am completely aligned with Rich on that one. And you can line shop actually at some places get a little bit better than plus 350 for them to win the Super Bowl. I do not agree on the Titans though. I think that if, AFC Championship game in Tennessee. I think that uh, I would take the Chiefs. And I also think, by the way, that it's very possible that the Bengals uh, could take care of business next week. Bengals are an electrifying offense. But just look at the quarterbacks today. Of the teams playing today, who can win the Super Bowl? Tampa, Dallas, Kansas City. Their quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Pat Mahomes, the teams that we do not think can win the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts, Philly, Jimmy Garoppolo, San Fran, the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh. It is a have and have not league. Ryan Tannehill, by public perception, to Rich's point, would be in the have not category. But he's been incredible the last two years. Ryan Tannehill, yes, behind Derrick Henry and a much, much, much improved defense. I cannot believe how good the Titans' defense has been this year. I was very wrong about that. A.J. Brown, like, there are people on the Titans who are better at their job than Ryan Tannehill is at his. So he gets elevated a little bit in that way. Like, Derrick Henry's a better running back than Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback. I would say A.J. Brown's a better receiver than Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. But Ryan Tannehill is absolutely good enough to play a clean game with that roster, with that team, with what they ask him to do and win a Super Bowl. He has proven to be a cut above in that situation than guys like we were talking about earlier, Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. Now, if you put Kirk Cousins on the Titans – could he do what Ryan Tannehill's doing? Maybe with that coaching and that defense, but he's got Jefferson and Thielen and Dalvin Cook. He can put out the offensive numbers, but you just do not trust him in big spots and with consistency. Throws too many interceptable balls. Ryan Tannehill does not. But you just look at the teams playing today. Chiefs, Bucks, Cowboys. I am surprised how many people are all in on the Niners pulling off that upset. And we are going to talk with Nick Costas about that coming up just after 8 o'clock. The path to the Niners winning is clearly having a huge coaching advantage and running the football. And then can their pass rush get home on Dak Prescott? And their pass rush is great. Their pass rush disrupts basically everybody. But their secondary is abysmal. So I think that Dak Prescott's going to have a massive day through the air, and I really like the Cowboys minus three. 
We'll see if our guy Nick Costos agrees. Then it's Robert Mays on the Bears and the rest of the NFL. But coming up, have those accounts open. My man Nick Costos looks ahead to the triple header today, and we lick our wounds over the Raiders from yesterday. Nick Costos, next on The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 